0: I invite you to take your Bibles to open with me to Paul's letter to the Romans. We're going to be in chapter 14, verses 1 through 12 again this morning. Chapter 14, verses 1 through 12, Paul's letter to the Romans as we continue to walk verse by verse in our sermon series, God's Righteousness Revealed. This particular sermon is entitled, Refusing to Pass Judgment. Romans 14, 1 through 12 Refusing to pass judgment The text reads As for the one who is weak in faith welcome him but not to quarrel over opinions One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats for God has welcomed him For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. This is the word of the Lord. Let us hear it and let us heed it. Grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. I'd like you to consider for a moment uh, a hypothetical family. Uh, Mother and father, two boys, one younger, one older. They're living in a rough neighborhood, a place where there's a lot of gang activity, a lot of violence, a lot of crime. Uh, a lot of fights that go on on, on the playground in the schoolyard. Imagine this father once being out on the schoolyard, watching his two boys at play with other boys around, and seeing the, the two boys, his sons starting to squabble, to yell at one another. One of the, the older one mocking the younger one, the, the younger one calling, The older one, a name. Imagine them starting to get into a a fist fight, fighting it out, duking the other boys, gathering around, rooting them all. It's kind of a scene we probably have seen before. Um, Boys act like boys at times, things things happen. Imagine then the father taking his sons aside, um, pulling them off, and having a family discussion. With them, just him and his boys, teaching them about what it's like to be men, training his boys, saying, "We, you two are brothers. You two uh, don't act like everyone else that's in this neighborhood. You two are, are different, and you must you must protect your brother. You must protect loyalty among this family. You must." You must show this kind of, uh, of honor to each other as, as members of this family. Just this father reminding them who they are. And that kind of vibe is really the kind of vibe that we have as we get to, to Romans 14. This kind of idea. This is a family discussion, so to speak. And Paul is, is talking to two... Uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, so to speak, uh, that, that may be opposed to one another. Maybe some strife, some disunity that is involved in telling them, reminding them, in fact, of who they are, how they stand, and wh- what that means as, as far as the way that they treat one another. The passage, overwhelmingly, is not just a matter about these differences of opinions but specifically of not passing judgment. We see in verse 3, it says, "Let Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. In verse 4, that phrase is repeated. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? We go down to verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Even as we look at verse 13, It says, therefore, let us not pass judgment. And then it moves on into the discussion about stumbling blocks. But this this idea of passing judgment is governing the passage that we have. So what I want to do this morning is kind of look at this passage, even though we looked at some of it last week, and give us, in this case, seven reasons. Seven's the the perfect number, right? Uh, Seven reasons why... Uh, we ought not to pass judgment on one another. In this case, as Christians, as Christian brothers, the first reason we should not pass judgment that he gives is because these quarrels, first of all, are are, are amount to merely differences of opinion. These quarrels amount merely to differences of opinion. Notice in verse one, he says, "As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him." But not to quarrel over opinions. What's at stake here is matters of indifference. Not having scruples over over disputable matters. We're not talking about sound doctrine that's at stake. This is not about the Trinity that we're discussing. We're not talking about the deity of Christ. We're not talking about whether Christ was resurrected from the grave at this point. We're talking about matters where there is difference of opinion here with regard to how you live your life. We're not even talking about clear commandments in Scripture about whether or not you know you should you should commit murder or whether or not you should worship idols or something like that. It's we're not talking about these things. These are quarreling over opinions. This is strife about. This is this is playground squabbles that don't amount to a whole lot. It's what we're talking about here. So that's what, that's what we see he's saying. These, are, these quarrels amount merely to differences of opinion. He gives two as examples in this case. He said there may be one Christian brother who believes he may eat anything while there is what, he's, what is described as the weak person who eats only vegetables. So here we have two Christians, one of whom is committed to only eating vegetables the other who it thinks he can eat anything. This one is that only eats vegetables is called the weaker brother. He's the one who is weak in faith. The stronger or the other one is told to welcome him. And to welcome him not so that he can quarrel over opinions. It, he's telling the, the stronger, more mature brother not to invite him over to your house just so you can have it out to, with him about why he's only eating vegetables. No, just so you can... Discuss that. It's it's not talking about that. He says, welcome him, but not to quarrel over these opinions. One person believes he made any anything. This guy is closer to the truth. This guy's the right is right. the The Lord has made all things clean. You can eat anything you want. Peter was told, rise, kill, and eat. You know. But this other brother has genuine scruples about what he eats. There's no there's no Christian diet. You know anymore despite the, the thousands of books that are out there about the Christian diet. There's not one, okay? And so he says here, the weak person only eats vegetables. The other the, the other example he gives is found in verse 5. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. So there, there may be some who, who continues to think that he needs to observe the new moon festival or the feast of tabernacles or this or that and that God desires him to observe days and months and weeks and years as it talks about in Galatians 4. And while another thinks that all days are alike unto the Lord. This, again, this, in this case, that person is closer to truth. That, that's, that's the right person. But there, there are two that feel differently about this. These quarrels, they amount merely to differences of opinions. They're not to pass judgment on on one another. The the person that's uh, the more mature brother in this case, the the person who eats anything and, and judges all days to be alike in this case, he may despise, even mock the person who has these scruples about these other things he's told not to do that not to not to mock him and not to welcome him merely to to quarrel with him about things but the person who is actually here called the weaker brother who has the the more restricted diet who observes specific days thinking that he he needs to do this for the god to be pleased in this case the the person that does that in this case uh He may think that the the mature brother, the one who's actually closer to right, is sinning against God, is displeasing God with his behavior. And he may condemn that person. He may pass judgment and condemn that that brother who is actually closer to the truth. He may condemn him for what he believes. Uh, And that's what he's saying here. These quarrels are not clear Commandments. This is not sin and disobedience or even heresy that we're talking about. We're talking about di- merely differences of opinion. Second of all, we should not pass judgment because if you do, you're passing judgment on the servant of another. You shouldn't pass judgment on one another because if you do, you are passing judgment on the servant of another. Look at verse 4. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Of another. It is before his own master that he stands or falls. This is just kind of basic society that we know. You don't walk into someone's business, especially if it's not a a customer care business. I don't walk into your business and start telling your employees the standards by which they're to, to be employed. I don't, I don't go into your business and tell those that are under your employment that they're fired or, or this or that. I don't condemn them in this case. This is what he's saying here. This is literally not your business in this case. You're sticking your nose where you do not, it does not belong because you are passing judgment on the servant of another. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. He says, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. He says, for I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, he says, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So you're passing judgment on the servant of another, in this case, the servant of God himself. He said, this is not This is not your authority or your... Your responsibility in this case. This doesn't mean. Remember, we're we're talking about uh, matters of opinion. This is this does not exclude, for instance, church discipline. There there are times when when we, as a church, if someone falls into serious public unrepentant sin, that they need to be that needs to be acknowledged. They need to be confronted with that because you, you get that and if if you confront that person and they, they bow up and get defensive about this sin that they 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 love so much then then let me tell you one of the first things that are going to come out of their mouth is judge not lest you be judged judge not that they're going to they're going to talk about this judgment so this is not excluding that kind of 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 right Judgment, Paul talks about this judgment that he's handed this brother uh, who's who's sleeping with his father's wife um, that he's handed this brother over to Satan to, in order to save his soul. He says, I've already passed judgment upon him so this this excludes that kind of behavior. Thirdly, we should not pass judgment because His ability to stand is in the power of God Himself. His ability to stand is is in the power of God Himself. Look at the end of verse 3. Let no one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. Why? For God has welcomed Him. God has accepted Him. God has welcomed Him. You are not to judge him because he is, he is welcomed by God. It says at the end of verse 4, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. In this case, the master is the Lord. It says he will be. He will be upheld. Why will he be upheld? For the Lord is able to make him stand. This Christian brother is able to stand... Because of the power of God and the grace of God. The Christian stands in a state of God's grace. Who are those that that the Father has justified? We go back to Romans 4. He is able to justify the ungodly. It is the ungodly person that God the judge declares as right. And he does that on a state of grace. Because of his unconditional grace, because of the the righteousness that is found in Christ and in Christ alone, this person stands. He's able to stand because of the grace and the power of God that is able to keep him and to preserve him and to keep him standing before him. God Himself has welcomed him. I said last week that one of the reasons that we don't understand this passage or that we get this passage wrong and, or that these two brothers, that they're quarreling over each other and, and creating all this strife in the church, one of the reasons is because they don't understand salvation and from where it comes and where sanctification comes and what justification is. They don't understand these things and so they pass judgment on one another. Listen, if you are in a state of grace, it's because of God. God is the one who saves. The salvation is of the Lord. And it is not merit-based. It is not because of your goodness that you are not condemned. So if the Lord welcomes you, if the Lord accepts you because of His Son, Jesus Christ, then you are accepted. And if the Lord has declared you righteous, then you are righteous in His sight. So this is a great comfort to us. ought to be a great comfort for us to, to, to remind us that it is because of the merits of Christ that we're able to stand it is because of the grace of god that we're upheld it's in his power that we're welcomed so you are accepted by god and you are are held and kept and preserved through the power of god you persevere by the power of god and so it's it's a great reminder that we're not then to to pass judgment on the servant of another if the Lord has welcomed him and the Lord's able to make that person stand. We're reminded, I mentioned this earlier, we're reminded of what Jesus did say in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, right? Judge not, lest you be judged, that you be not judged. What's he talking about there? He's talking about hypocrisy. He's criticizing those living in hypocrisy. He says, with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but not notice the log that's in your own eye? This is the hypocrisy. I'm criticizing this brother for what he's doing, this trifle that he's doing. Well, I'm committing a much greater sin of the same regard that I fail to see or fail to remove. Log in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. It doesn't mean I don't address my brother when he's in sin. It means I don't live and walk in hypocrisy while I'm judging my brother for whatever sin he is. So this person's ability to stand is in the power of God. Fourthly, we should not pass judgment because each Christian is consciously trying to honor the Lord. Because each Christian is consciously trying to honor the Lord. Look again at verse 5. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. What, what am I saying here? I, I said earlier that one is more correct than, than the other. The idea that every day it should be esteemed alike is the correct one so to speak biblically but one person is convinced that he, to please the Lord he needs to also observe these days in these ceremonies of which we know we're only shadows where Christ is the substance of those things but he's convinced in his own mind his conscience is is held captive to, to God, that this would please God. So it says in verse 6, the one who observes the day, he observes it in the honor of the Lord. The one who eats, he eats in the honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, or so he doesn't eat, he abstains in the honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. You see that that threefold repetition of the phrase, in the honor of the Lord, it shows that these people are doing, whether they do one or the other, they're doing it in devotion to God. This is not living hypocritically. They're not, they're not eating meat all the while thinking, I'm getting by with this. The Lord doesn't see me in my sin and my disobedience. They're not, they're not hiding this over here. No, they genuinely believe that God wants them to eat everything as He does. But the other person who is eating only vegetables believes wholeheartedly that it is God who wants him to only eat vegetables. And so he does it in devotion to the Lord because he wants to honor God. This is the heart of a Christian, isn't it? That even though one is right or more right than the other, they both genuinely desire that the Lord would be glorified in their lives by the the practice of So we see these are not acting hypocritically. They both sit down to their meal and they give thanks for their meal. They thank God for what He's done in their life. They're they're glorifying Him. They're consciously trying to honor the Lord and they're convinced that this is what the Lord would have them to do, at least at this time. None of us lives to Himself. None of us dies to Himself. They're They're not doing this selfishly They're doing this with thought of the Lord. So why would we judge them in that? Fifthly, because we shouldn't pass judgment on this person because this person has been united to Jesus Christ as Lord and belongs to Him. Because they've been united to Jesus Christ as Lord and they belong to Him. Look at verses 7 through 9. None of us lives to Himself. None of us dies to Himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. There's a twofold repetition of this phrase, to the Lord. Whether we live or, or whether we die, we are the Lord's, we belong to Him. Like, like Toy Story and, and the Woody doll that has under his foot uh, the, the name Andy because he belongs to him. We are the Lord. We belong to the Lord's. His name is written upon our hearts and upon our souls as it were. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. The Christian, this is a, a beautiful description of the Christian who has been united with Jesus Christ. They're, they, are, they are living because they have, they have died with Christ. They've been risen together with Christ. They have this new life in Christ so that now, because they are united with Christ, whether they live or whether they die, they belong to Christ. They are sealed in Him and they are His. Um. Brethren, if we belong to Christ and we stand and are accepted by Christ, united with Christ, here's the, here's the good news. That, that person whom the Lord has begun a good work in, we can count that because they've been united to Christ, the Lord is going to finish that work in their life. We can, we can be patient with one another. So The, 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 the idea here is that there, there are brothers that... When we get saved, we're on we're on different areas of sanctification, and and some some brothers are weaker or and have experienced more and have you know uh, have been further down the the well of depravity and sin. The Lord may clean them up or it may take a lot more time, but they they may deal with some things differently than 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 others do so we're to live it says here patiently with one another recognizing that we each are united to the Lord Jesus Christ that we're each in the process of being made more and more like Christ and that uh, Christ himself has, has welcomed us Christ himself has, has died for us the Earlier I said we were in a state of grace. and That we stand because of that state of grace. Remember if we go back to Romans chapter 8. He talks there about how we're not separated from the love of Christ. And he says there, who is to condemn? He asks these questions. Who is to condemn? Who can bring any charge against God's elect? Who is to condemn? He says, it is God who justifies. What does that mean? It it means that God, the judge of the universe, has declared this individual righteous. And Paul knows, he says, If if God has declared me righteous and I stand in righteousness because Christ has died for me and He's risen from the grave and He's ascended to the right hand of the Father and I'm united with Christ and I've been declared righteous by the the righteous judge, if that's the case, then who's going to bring any charge against me that's going to stick? Much less my own Christian brother that passes judgment upon me and condemns me. It does not stick. Why? Why? because i've been united to jesus christ he is my lord and i belong to him and i'm being i'm being conformed to the image of my elder brother speaking of number six you shouldn't pass judgment because this person is your brother this person is your brother in christ two times in verse 10 we see why do you pass judgment on who on your brother why do you despise your brother we go down to verse 13 therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of who of a brother this person is your spiritual sibling this person is is a fellow member of the family of God, of the household of faith. They are also a child of God as you are. And so this person is your brother or sister in Christ. James tells us in chapter 4, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks evil, speaks against a brother or judges his brother, speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? We're spiritual siblings. We ought not to pass judgment on our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is in distinction from those that are out there. How will they know that we're his disciples? By the way, that we in here love one another as the family of God. While the way that we treat each other. Our priority. Our priority, even in love, our priority is our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ first. If it comes to, I've got to offend a brother or offend the world, I will gladly offend the world in order to love the the brethren. It's amazing to me how many times people... Uh, especially on social media, those who claim to be Christians, in order to try to to appease the world or get the world to like them, will criticize brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's have a a distinction. I, I also am amazed how often I see Christians that differ. Brothers and sisters in Christ who will speak to one another, as if this brother in Christ with whom they're disagreeing is an outright wolf, is an outright false teacher, or something. We should have one voice for the false teachers and the wolves, and another who are our brothers and sisters that are in error. You know? Let us remember that this person is your brother. Let us speak with them that way. Not condemn them for the views that they hold and lastly we should not pass judgment because he will stand before the supreme and righteous judge and give an account because that person will stand before the supreme and righteous judge and give an account it says uh, at the end of verse 10 for we will all stand before the bema seat before the judgment seat of God it is written and he quotes Isaiah 45 verse 23 as I live says the Lord every knee shall bow to me every tongue shall confess to God that idea of course is picked up in in Philippians that every knee and every every tongue will confess and every knee shall bow both on earth and under the earth every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord says in verse 12 so then each of us each of us will give an account of himself to God there's there's no need for you to pass judgment on the brother the brethren when this person is going to stand before the judge God himself this person is going to stand before the, the judge and give an account for himself if he's wrong on this he'll get straightened out in this case James five, seven through nine, be patient, therefore, brothers until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late late rains. You also be patient. And then he says, Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. I want to encourage you though, brethren, as if you if you're a Christian here, about that judgment. I, I believe that judgment day will be a good day for Christians. Will be a great day for Christians. I I, I think I hear you you hear this and you say So then each of us will give an account of himself to God and you're thinking, oh no. And you're right to think, oh no. But I want you to understand that Christ is there. That Christ himself has clothed you in his righteousness. That this judge before whom you will stand and give an account has already declared you righteous. Already now, we're not waiting for some time in the future for him to declare you righteous, he has already justified you, and so we can stand and rest in the hope of Christ in the righteousness that, that Christ gives to us, even now, that we may it may be acknowledged of the ways that we have failed the Lord but it will be a good day because of the righteousness of Christ. And if you're not clothed in the righteousness of Christ here this morning, listen again to verse 11 and and know that in Isaiah, when it talks about the very preceding verse to this in Isaiah, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. It, it, It is an invitation to turn to me and be saved all the earth. Turn to me, he says. Turn to me and, and be saved. Turn to the Lord. That One day, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. So, don't wait till that day. Now, turn to him and confess. Turn to him and be saved. Turn to him and find salvation. You can... Today, be declared righteous the, the, the gavel of the righteous and holy judge of all the universe will be banged and, be, and declare you righteous not on your own merit not on your own goodness but because of his son and if he has justified you who can condemn you who can pass judgment upon you we then do follow the Lord. We 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 do honor the Lord. We do seek this in the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. But we're not scared of the judgment as Christians because of Christ. It's been said before and, and I've repeated it several times that if if you could lose your salvation you would. Who is your salvation. You know, if you had to worry about that final judgment on that day and the fact that, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be good enough to stand. Let me let you in a secret. You're not good enough to stand on that. Christ is. Christ has been. It's been accomplished. It's finished. That's your hope. And so this is a family discussion, and he's reminding us as sons and daughters of his family not to pass judgment on one another because of who we are, the the family in which we stand, the elder brother that is our righteousness, and what we're becoming, and our hope for the future. He's being encouraged. You have been welcomed by the Father. You are, he is able to make you stand. Christ has died and risen again on your behalf. And in the final judgment, you are, have already been declared righteous. That's our hope. That's our comfort. That's our rest and our, and our peace. So love one another in, spot, in, in view of that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.